Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Hey, Wild Black family, this is Vince. I wanted to chat with you just for a moment to do a couple of things. One, wish you happy Black History Month. Two, to remind you that although February is officially Black History Month, you can and should celebrate that every day. It's your history. Three, to quickly explain to you what we're doing this entire month here on Wild Black. I want to start with the fact that we celebrate Black history in almost every podcast, both through our conversation, but also directly through our dope quotes. So we decided this month to celebrate Black History Month a little bit differently. Most of you are familiar with the statement that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. And this month on Wild Black, we want to stretch that statement. So ride with me for a minute. If our parents' generation and our generation have accepted that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams, then being honest, don't we have a responsibility to make sure that the future generations are so powerful, so prepared, so able, and so confident that they in turn become something so awesome that our ancestors and maybe even ourselves can't even fathom. Shouldn't that be our goal? Creating future generations of black people who expand past the limits of what we accept today. If you agree, then I want to welcome you, not to Black History Month, but to Black Future Month. Welcome to our love letter to our ancestors that focuses completely on how we can pour into those behind us to better honor those who came before us. This month, get ready for an amazing four-part series that is 100% focused on what we can do to best support our amazing Black youth. You'll hear from people who pour directly and with intention into our children. You will hear directly from those amazing Black youth on why they are not up next, but instead are up now. And the last treat about Black Future Month is that the entire four-part series was literally done almost completely by those Black youth. They played every role in bringing these episodes to you. Production, logistics, marketing, and on and on. You'll hear from Art and I on episodes one and two as we introduce these amazing Black youth to you. But you won't hear from us again after that until March. I want to send a special shout-out and thank you to Peyton and Xavier, both 17, for being interviewed on episode two and then turning around and hosting episodes three and four. And we definitely can't leave out Isaiah, who's 14. He served as a producer on all four episodes. These young adults took on a tough project and did a fantastic job. So now get ready to hear Kelly Britton, the director of the Harvard Debate Council Diversity Project. She's going to be the only adult you hear from this entire series, and she brings a whole lot of information about how to pour into our children creating excellence. Please sit back, open your mind, and enjoy Black Future Month. Peace. 
there being a difference between being successful and significant. And I think we don't teach that. Um, what we teach is quid pro quo. And that's not something that's of our community uh, by and large. You know, it's not the communal people that we are. And so when you Ooh, have, um, yeah, when you have a society that says that everything you put out is supposed to come back to you, it's like this karmic energy. But what you don't really understand is that the universe puts into you what it expects you to give other people. I like that. So if you've received it, it is your duty to give it away and to like really be spent. Like it's supposed to be all the way gone. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? And that's when you start having people who are lost and, you know, they they don't know what their calling is. And yeah. it's because you're looking for something to come back, but you already have it innately and inherently to give away. That's your job. 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 Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back, people. We're back. What season is this? Man, four, three? Well, I can't. It, it three. doesn't matter. Happy Black History Month. We are here. We got another dope ass topic for you. Matter of fact, this whole this whole month, we are we're flipping Black History Month on its head. And what we're gonna talk about is basically Black Futures Month. So what does mm. that mean? Mm, Black Futures exactly. Month. Exactly. We're not Ooh. we're not dissing looking back by any means, right? We still have to pay homage to everything that's happened to get us here, all of our ancestors, but what we're really looking to do is kind of look forward a little bit, right? Almost honor the ancestors by paying it forward a little bit and talking about what's coming next, who's coming next, and how we can be best positioned to set them up for real success. Our children today are undeniably excellent, and I don't think we do a good enough job talking about them and pushing that narrative forward. So for the next mm -hmm. four episodes all across Black History Month, we're going to do just that. We're going to help you to understand why the narrative on our youth should be better than it is. And we're going to give you the information and arm you with the tactics to go out and help to make those narratives a bit better. We're going to start today. Today is our only adult interview. Um, as a matter of fact, you will only hear from Art and I on two episodes this month. Look at that. Right, for the back Look end. Look at God. <laughs> for the back end, <laughs> we are going to hand Wild Black over to these amazing, excellent, awesome young, black, excellent youth, and they're going to host Wild Black. To go a step further, it's almost like a month off for us, bro. Mm -hmm. They are building the episodes. They're producing the episodes. They are doing all the questions. They're doing the marketing. The only thing we're doing, matter of fact, we're not even doing that. Why he, the DRS, is doing the recording. We ain't got to do shit. So check this out. Yeah. You know it's a risk to that, right? Ain't no risk, man. They, these kids, they, these kids they, are they awesome. Right. They could be really good, though. They could be better than us. You're right. There's a fucking risk. Mm hmm They ain't getting our jobs, though. <laughs> <laughs> this Look, we might have to give it to them. <laughs> that might be the future right there. We'll have to set them up. Correct. Add some failure just to make sure. Just to make <clears throat> Yeah. Turn one of the mics off. Right. Mm -hmm. We got him. We still paying for it though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Wahid, we ain't gonna turn the mic on. <laughs> All right. So what I want to do quickly is I want to introduce today's guest. 
She's the only adult you'll hear from this month. And there's a very specific reason as she celebrates. There's a very specific reason why she is here. Today's guest is Kelly Britton. She's the Director of Operations and Programming for the Harvard Debate Council Diversity Project, HDCDP. I can't say that fast, but I am reading it right now. Uh, HDCDP is an Atlanta-based pipeline program that recruits, trains, and sends black youth to summer debate residency program at Harvard. It basically makes our amazing black kids even better. And if you pay attention, you've seen, I know you've seen tons of articles, news clippings about these dope-ass children because they are all over the news cycle. So they are. if you haven't, just go type that in. Type in Harvard Debate Council Diversity Project and look at all the amazing wonderfulness that comes back. So Kelly is the director there, and she is in charge of making sure that our black children become excellent-er. Excellent-er black children. Yes, that is a real word during Black History Month. We Kelly, welcome to Wild Black. Thank you. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here with you this evening. I'm going to put on my professional Barbie voice real quick for the beginning, and then it's going to loosen up as we move along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We got something to loosen you up. That's good. No I'm doubt. nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kelly, t- tell the listeners a little bit more about you. 30 seconds, 60 seconds. Just give them a little bit more, because I only skim the surface on what you really do. So um, within this organization, I mean, our staff is uh, a number... Two. So I do everything that doesn't have to do with teaching in the classroom. So uh, Brandon Fleming, who is our lead instructor, CEO and founder, takes care of the business end of the classroom work. Everything else is what I do, whether we're talking about uh, orchestrating pickup and drop off, sending uh, email, uh, scheduling, uh, budget review. So, again, anything that has to do with the infrastructure or the business specifically, that's right. what I'm handling. However, and this is, a, this is a big however. So, a little background. So, I have a family. You said 30 seconds, but I think I'm well over You're that. You're all right. 30 seconds, um, 60, have, 90, 120. Family good. Full, right. Tomorrow. Um, so, <laughs> I have a family full of educators. And so, when they found out that I would be working with an educational organization, they were like, ah, we got you in the classroom finally. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to be in the office. You know, there's no classroom work for me here. And uh, they laughed even more heartily when they found out that uh, Mr. Fleming said, hey, so uh, we're going to need you to come in the classroom just to observe a little bit. And that turned into me being uh, the the second teacher in the classroom. So I'm like now a TA and <laughs> the director of operations. But it's really been um, an exciting time for me. You know, you get to a certain point in your career and you're like, I've done it all. You know, there's really right. nothing more. And I'm just, these new frontiers that I've come across working with this organization have really um, allowed me to shift my perspective and really understand what my purpose is. So, At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. 
Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. It's been super dope because I thought I came in to do what I had always done, which is back office work. I'm I'm great at that. I could do that with my eyes closed. But no, no, there were other plans for me. And so now I'm in the classroom and there's no place I'd rather be. I think the business of teaching Mm -hmm. has to be almost as as important as the teaching because without the business, there is no teaching. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And and listeners, we'll we'll go deeper into the significance of this particular program and how they do what they do. But before we do that, we go. you know what time dun, it dun, is. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know what time it is. Well, black shit. Brother, you ready to do it? Man, absolutely. This is gonna be a great one. Another dope episode of Wild Black you know shit. it. You know it. You know it. You ready? I'm ready. Come I, on. I'm I am ready. ready. For you. All right, so this is how it works. It's gonna be so easy. Okay. This the first one's easy. Super easy. Three questions, mm-hmm. two questions, and it's all designed just to loosen you up. Okay. First two questions, super easy, super simple, super dope. Third question is like our signature question. We ask every single guest and dope person sitting in that seat the same question. Okay. And we Bring let her. And we let her. Okay. Great. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. I'm ready. Dun, 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 dun. First question. And I'll, I'll play them over here as you knock them out over there. All right. <laughs> It's black card testing time. And this is one simple, straightforward game that we're going to play. Nothing to it. Nothing to it. Okay. So we're going to play the first portion of a popular sitcom and the theme song for it. Okay. And then you tell us what it is. All right. Let's do it. You ready? You ready? You got it? Let's go. See, this is super easy. It is. It is. All right. First one. You ready? I'm ready. Oh, come on, dog. Y'all going to have to make it harder than that. Okay. What you got? What is it? Is this good times? Is this the beginning of good okay. times? Hey, we're warming up. Okay. Warming all right, up. All good right. times. You got that one Ding. quick. <laughs> you ready for number two? Let's do it. That's Sanford and Son all day. Dun, 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 she getting confident dun, 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 over there. Don't play with me. Let's right. do it. What you okay. got? Okay. Okay. Don't bring no 902 or no next now because I'm not going to know. Hey, that. this is wild black. I'm just this ain't making wild sure. Blonde I'm trying to throw eyes. a little curve in there. <laughs> <laughs> me and you looking crazy. I'm like, I don't know. You ready? Yes. All right. Number three. Girl, okay. I have no idea what that is. Where's the confidence? We just... Right. I'm sitting here like... <laughs> Art is like, Wait, well, let's let let's let it ride out. Okay, let's see. Is this before my time? I'm not sure. Oh my goodness! Wow, that's in vogue, yo. That mm-hmm. is hanging with Mr. Cooper. That's yes. right. So yes, 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 that's wow. right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Thought, thought we were slipping ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, that, I thought that, y'all that, were trying to, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you oh, almost got right you right there. I mean, you they need, did say his name, so it was, that's yeah, you, I needed mm-hmm. that. The, the mm-hmm. hook gave it to it, you. You did. You gave that one to me, but I and I appreciate that. Cool. You ready for the fourth? You got you got two more. All right. All let's right. see. Let's see here what's going go. on here. This is Flex. Isn't this Flex's show? I don't know. Is it? Yeah, it is. Has to be with um old girl who was Penny Proud. It's gotta. Be. Is this Flex's show? It's one on one. I mean, they only said the name in the title like 17 times. times right. right. But y'all are taking it back. Like, dude, what y'all got? Some more CW shows you're going to throw in here? Like, what's up? <laughs> Last one right here. You ready? Okay. It, this one's easy, too. Okay. The next question. Easy is relative. I don't know how I feel about that. All right. Lex, here we go. Last one. Okay. Future, future. <laughs> <laughs> like 
I'm mad that they know. <laughs> Is this a show for my generation? No idea. All our amazing, excellent right. black youth in the room the dance and singing dance. it. They know it. Where you at? What? Nothing. No clue. I'm with you on that one. Nothing. No idea. Oh, it's oh, so, so raving. Are you kidding me right now? Hey. Does that count? What? Black so show? You're right. It, it does Absolutely. count. Absolutely. Y'all count. remember that choice? And they know all the words. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what did she get? What did you get? Three? Three, three out of three five? Out of four. Yeah. No, three no, out of no. Five. Four out of five. Let's Let's see, hold on. She got good times. I did she, do one-on-one, she but got I mean, for the that sun. one was pretty it was the only one that, that, it was, that was the only one. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. No, no, no. Struggle Street. They had to say the name. But the hook, it was all in the hook. But I did know the artist who sang it, so that counts for something. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And golf. Well, I guess you're right. Golf. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you you did you did decently. Thank you. I, you know, you black know, card, secure. Still, still Shaking in the pocket. But secure. It's secure. Okay. okay. Secure. I'm feeling good about that. I mean, that's so raven for our age group. That was a little cheat. That was a little. I'm but she thinking, was too confident, right? You know, you, I mean, you got to bring people down. I, I, I saw you. Uh, there was no Jeffersons. We didn't get any different world. Would have been like right up my alley. You wouldn't sing, have to play sing, none of that. Hit us with the different strokes. Um, not, I don't even wait. What was the different stroke song? Different world is. I'm the, all. The, I'm all for the that. World don't move to the beat of just one mm-hmm. drum. Dun dun. Yes, that is right. <laughs> That's a good one too. Different strokes to rule the world. Yes, That's right. That's right. That's right. Different strokes rule the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Let's hit it with yep, question number two. Number two. Okay. So since today we're talking about preparing our young black children to be excellent. In that vein, I want to quickly <laughs> chat about some lessons that were taught as black youth Here we go. that helped us be excellent. Okay. What did BBD right. warn us to never trust? A big button a smile. Okay, ding, oh, ding, yeah. ding. Ding, Come ding, on, ding. Easy. Come on now. Okay, remember how oh. that confidence did you I like, last time. I like, you're Just right. Let me, let me be but that easy was, that right That was now. good, though, I how mean, you how you ease right hey, into that. Softball, I like that. Softball Just, shit. You know. <laughs> What immortal, life-applicable, <laughs> and motivational quote did we learn from Uncle Luke? Uncle Luke? I wasn't allowed to listen to Uncle Luke. That sounds like an excuse. Like, we were raised, oh. like, oh. like for real. I mean, like, like, to not even... No, we didn't even. Two Live Crew mm-hmm. and Uncle Luke, mm-hmm. totally out. Two, two, yes. I didn't hear, I don't even think I heard mm-hmm. an Uncle Luke song until uh, so, I was, like, 20. So, so listeners, we have, we have a couple <laughs> scholars from Harvard... <laughs> Debate Council Diversity Project in the room, and I want to solicit their feedback really quickly. <laughs> had you all, had you all been in class, would that have been an acceptable answer? Mm-hmm. Say it loud. Mm-hmm. Say it loud. And pro- <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. y'all better remember. Look, Isaiah, you still in the program? I don't know. You might want to be careful. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I now. just, I just want to, I just want to say for the listeners that every student in the room. Presented a resounding no. That that answer would not have, <laughs> have worked. They would have But see, the difference is they would have finessed. Well, see what it is is. Yeah. I don't want to say it out loud because it's offensive to the people in the room. <laughs> and then we would have gave them some points. Therefore, yeah. yeah. And we'd have been like, yeah, you know, that's should real. We, should we play like a little snippet of? No, you, this ain't that you kind of show. Corrupt the children. <laughs> I don't know. You're gonna get phone calls. Oh well, yeah, because it's a little crazy. It's, it's gonna be we have letters. to snap it like right in yeah, that like little boop, piece, and then you probably wouldn't be able to capture. Yeah, it's gonna be some letters. So the response is, don't stop. Get, get it, it, get it, get, get it. it. Really? That's Inspir- where that came from? Inspirational. Yeah. Don't stop getting And motivational. That's right. Mm. Don't stop. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are get looking it. back at that time get period it. in their lives and saying, I wish I had stopped and not gotten it. 
<laughs> so Probably I'm gonna I'm right. gonna count myself fortunate in that regard <laughs> and say thank you, mommy yeah. and daddy. I'll go with that one. I didn't really need That's, that in my that, life. That was that a good time. answer. That was a good response. Thank you. That 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 warrants. A yeah. partial point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yes, Thank you. Do you I get agree. a ding ding for that? Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. There ding. we go. <laughs> All right. Winning can at times mean taking good direction. And speaking of direction in the song Freak Me, how long was Silk directed to lick you up and down? Okay, now I got to run through these lyrics. Let me let you. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to. You can like hear the that. Children you, you, are going to be like, till you, till you say stop. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Ding, so, ding, ding. Oh. So Luke didn't get through, but, but Freak, me, Freak did. me did. Okay, well, there's a story behind that, but out. that's gonna be for off air. That's gonna be a story we can tell while young people are present. But um, yes. Let's just say that that song came out when I was in church school. So that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother yep. episode. I'm, yep. Got you. Oh. Don't the, the church remix? Let me praise you up and down. Mm, till, okay, they didn't really allow that. I was into. Yeah, how they do now. Yeah. yeah, they do change the words, but the sentiment remains. Because Kanye changed all kind of SWV oh, songs he, oh for, my God. for Jesus. Oh, for the Lord. <laughs> and he put a beat to him. <laughs> he did. He did. And it was kind of dope. And they were all from. beige, I, so it feels pure. He a producer, though. So I know. He make dope beats. <laughs> all right. Being prepared is essential for progress, and being prepared means understanding your environment. And speaking of environment, what did Tony, Tony, Easy Tony teach us about the weather? The weather. Okay. The scholars are in here. They're showing out. Look, the, now, and then they because they're making it? all these mm-hmm. gestures, I'm like, okay, should I be faster God. on the draw here? Okay, Tony, all Tony, I know Tony. Is you just got outworked It never already. rains in Southern California. I don't know. It took ding, you ding, like 30 ding. seconds. I mean, I, I didn't was on say it like was, less than two. I'm trying to figure out if she knows the Tony, Tony, Tony song because she wasn't even born yet. Hey. I don't think. Were you even born? She, that's some of the Study advantages up, she got right. from being in this Techno- program. It's she technology, is too. It's that's technology. It. They that's can it. go as far back as they want to. And that's a, that's a dope song, too. It is. But I don't know. I think Lay Your Head on My Pillow was a better one. I agree. I Anniversary agree. was pretty dope. But I, I did figure Lay Your Head on My Pillow probably wasn't the, the right song yeah, may not for want this to do that. series. Because I don't want to quite yeah, motivate. we don't want well, you to do that. But you know what I find really you're interesting? you tired, you know. <laughs> Well, you, know, that, well, you know, after you've been studying for a long, hard, you know. Th- okay, that might have been appropriate. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting to me is how you're ramping these questions up because they sound like you're going to ask me something really, you know, it's going to be profound. And then it, you drop <laughs> it and I'm like, so that's what's taking me a minute because I have to switch gears. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'm, yeah. I'm either in one lane or the other, but now I'm having to like ride in both. So hey. we're going to work hey, it out. Right, right in the middle, right okay. on, on, the, on the line. All right. This, all is, right. this, is, a su- this is the easiest one of them all. Communication and time management are key to real success. Mm-hmm. So given that, what did Tevin Campbell want to do and how long did he want to do it? Now you now come on now. He's saying, <laughs> can we talk for a minute? Everybody knows that. Okay. We sang say. that in five part harmony at a family reunion. So All I'm gonna say is you, you Peyton beat you to it again. Just put it she out did, there. She did, and I can hear her mouth in the lyrics too. So that's making that's like <laughs> adding dancing. insult to right. injury right now. You, you know the, what I mean? Just the whole wine open wounds mm-hmm. right now. But that's and don't worry, right. Wild Black, next week you will meet Peyton and Xavier who are in the room with us today. You're gonna meet them very shortly. <laughs> Good I hope job. Their on questions that, are as difficult as mine were. You're doing a great job with them, though. Thank you. Thank you. Now, third question. Okay. This is the question. Mm-hmm. What do you love most about life while black? What I love most about life while black um, is really being able to be a resource to the community. Um, you know, I have experienced other communities and how they interact um, generation to generation. 
And um, I just think there's something extremely unique about how we utilize one another for um, praise, for, um, you know, the feedback that we need when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's just different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Even when we're talking about um, being reassured. So, you know, you'll walk into a room full of us and be like, God is good. And people Mm -hmm. like, all All the the time, time. all the time. You know, so they're just things, they're just nuances to um, growing up in the community and understanding the dynamics between the generations. And what I found um, here probably in the last five years is my place in it. And so when you discover how you fit after, you know, years of maybe trying to figure it out, not being really sure, when you walk firmly in your purpose and you can really be used, like that is the penultimate, I think, while black experience. I love that. And I love the fact that you use the phrase be used, right? I've had so many conversations with people about being used. It's unfortunate that being used has taken on such a negative connotation to so many people, right? It's like when you are you, when you are being used, you can be being used in a very good way, right? Yeah, If, If someone is leaning into you for information or for access or anything, if they're using you for anything positive, to me, that is the ultimate form of appreciation. Like, you think enough about me to allow me to influence, inspire, and yeah. educate you. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of being used. And some people only use the term being used, like, in the context of, like, religion and in mm-hmm. church. And then you you kind of broadened it to make it more about the community. And, I, and I, like, I like how you introduced that term into, it's almost like you've, you've expanded the definition of it. Well, I think you have to in this day and age. I think part of it is that um, we have this false sense of reciprocity in our community Ooh, right that's now. A big word. And, um, you know, if you're always looking for what someone owes you back, you yeah. actually miss the experience of really being influential and being significant. And we talked about this um, when we attended um, the event at the Russell Center the other day about there being a difference between being successful and significant. And I think we don't teach that. Um, What we teach is quid pro quo. And that's not something that's of our community, uh, by and large. You know, it's not the communal people that we are. And so when you have... um, Yeah, when you have a society that says that everything you put out is supposed to come back to you, it's like this karmic energy, but what you don't really understand is that the universe puts into you what it expects you to give other people. I like that. So if you've received it, it is your duty to give it away and to like really be spent. Like it's supposed to be all the way gone. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? And that's when you start having people who are lost and, you know, they they don't know what their calling is. And yeah. it's because you're looking for something to come back, but you already have it innately and inherently to give away. That's your job. That's your job. That's the yeah. intro right there. Yeah, I agree. I do want to ask one question about yeah. that. You mentioned in reciprocity, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily seeking to be paid back. Could I borrow some money from you? Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities. 
from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. I'm going to have to talk to my accountant about that. Well, I just want to make sure because if, if, if I ain't got to pay you back, then you are the source for me. I, I'm, the I'm plug. Looking right. Well, now, hold on now because, you know, you have to have it to give. So we're going to have to talk about that. Let me make some <laughs> phone calls. Let me. I, the universe didn't pour that check into me yet. <laughs> but when it does, brother, I've got okay. you. Now, okay. I'll have some terms, though. There's going to be some interest on that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you see interest. how Negroes do? A moment ago, a moment ago, it was all fluffy now. bunnies. Hold on now. Fat babies over uh-huh. rainbows. Now, we yeah, got Term. There's coins mm-hmm. now. We got to have a different conversation. <laughs> the expectation. Now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. cool. I got you on that Monopoly money, though. I got plenty of that. <laughs> hey, we play a cash flow game over here. We talking about assets, bank loans, all that. Okay, that's cash that real deal. Hard. Okay. Yeah, I just won my family's ass out the other day. On the have you won it game. yet? Which version are you playing? Because there's like 12 different versions of Monopoly right now. No, this, so this, this is. Go ahead, break it down. Well, so this is the, the financial. Um, so there's a real estate guy, uh, and he has a game okay. called the Cash Flow Quadrant. Really? It's from the Cash Flow. It's from the Cash Flow Quadrant concept. Um, his name is Robert Kiyosaki. Okay. And the game is dope, and it's, oh, I it's, need to get that. it's relatively difficult to play when you first start. Uh-huh. And it it just teaches you about assets, liabilities. It teaches you how to kind of manage money. In a different way. You're buying and selling stocks, buying and selling properties in a different way from Monopoly, bank loans. You're keeping a ledger. You have a salary. You it's mm-hmm. like life on steroids? Yes. Yeah. Really? And it oh, takes yeah. a very oh, long time dope. to play. I need a that. very long, yes. And a very long time to win, unless you're just really good at it. Well, that would be me. That's mm-hmm. what I do. The whole point <laughs> of the game is to, is to earn enough oh, yes. passive income to replace your salary so that you can then exit the rat race. That's right. And That's the game. A big That's right. the game. That's it. That's it. There That's we the go. game. Okay, so it's I'm a game. Need to get that. That it's you a game can of play life. that tells you it's how a to do this. Real game of life. Okay, yes. I'm with that. And it works. I think. I mean, it, from an educational standpoint, I think. Now, it's see, if very I bring effective. that in my household, I don't know because m- my girls, they're real. I'll be in there. They'll be trying to have me on them in real life. Like, you know what? That last <laughs> game, you were bankrupt. So now you owe me some cookies. I'm. I'm I don't know what's gonna happen with that. That yeah, might be a little I'm dangerous. I'm all about that. I'm mm-hmm. all might be a little that. dangerous. That's good. That's a good little touch. All right. So I'm gonna jump into the dope quote. Okay. And the dope quote, as our listeners know, kind of. Anchors the episode. It's a thematic that you'll hear throughout the episode. And I'll, I'll explain why I chose this quote. Okay. And then I'll ask you to respond to it. So the quote I chose is, I am an invisible man. I'm a man of substance, of flesh and bone, fiber and liquids. And I might even be said to possess a mind. I'm invisible, understand, simply because people refuse to see me by Ralph Ellison. You better come on yeah. with one of my favorite quotes. Good, good. The reason I chose that quote <laughs> is because when when you think about what he says throughout this work and being the invisible man because people refuse to see him, I think the work that, that you all are doing inside of this program puts so much into our youth that it is impossible to not see them. Yeah. Right. It's right. impossible for them to be invisible. Absolutely. There we go. Yeah. They make an impact everywhere they go, sometimes without even having to open their mouth. That's right. And I think that is something that is extremely powerful, needed, but I also think it's overlooked in our community. There are too many of us who believe that we have too much work to do 
to get to where we're supposed to be. Hmm. And I think the stuff, the work that you all do in this program just enriches these children to a point that, honestly, I haven't seen before, right? I have not seen children walk around feeling as empowered as these do, mm-hmm. which has changed the way I look at my own children. Mm. And so I want you to take a few moments and just react to that quote and tell me what it means to you. And, and to that fact, why is it your favorite? Well, it's extremely significant. One, because I read that book. Um, and so my perspective is going to be slightly different, I think, than um, maybe men who read that quote, because right. the book itself is called Invisible Man, <laughs> right? right? Um, I'm a black woman. So the trajectory for me as far as um, being in a place or space where my voice is valued and heard for what it is versus what um, is put upon it in any given circumstances um, has been one of the major hurdles of my life. So its significance for me started in high school where I went to a school where I was in the minority in most of my classes um, and there's no pun intended there, but I um, I found myself cowering to um, being outnumbered for right. several years. So when I came across this piece of literature, my it was one of my um, high school instructors who happened to have a PhD in uh, classic literature, and he was very uh, well versed on all forms, with the exception of a lot of African American authors. Right. So I intentionally would only write papers <laughs> on books written by African Americans in his class. Mm. Um, so my thesis paper at the end of that year was on waiting to exhale, just so, and <laughs> that was like you know tenth grade. So you know I've always been a little weird, but um, but that book showed me how to operate within and outside of the veil. This came uh, on the tail end of me reading Souls of Black Folk for the first time and then reading Song of Solomon for the first time. And so when you're talking about when you're talking about what it means to me, it allowed me to see that I don't have to hide behind this veil because it exists already. Right. I don't have to hide. It's already there. All I needed to do was move it to the side and recognize within myself that I had the power. And what helped me um, to move through that period of my life uh, were the grades that that professor gave me on each of those papers. Um, and I made an A in his class. I made the highest grade in that class. And I did it my way. So for me, it means that you can decide your path. Um, and the only barrier to your accomplishment is you. I don't think mm. we've had an answer more thorough to a dope quote yet. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. You know we do, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. easy. No, but good. I know the story it's associated to it is, yeah. is pretty amazing too because yeah. it, it was not just a moment for you, but it was a moment where you taught someone something that they may not have ever been exposed to before. Oh, yeah. And they had a high level of appreciation for it mm-hmm. because I don't think they had an option or a choice. Yeah. No, which and, is dope in itself. I mean, that was that's the definition of my high school career, which, so if you're, if we bring it forward to the future, this is why I impress upon our students the importance of literature, because it has the ability to show you the world that could exist. Yeah. Um, or it shows you the world that does exist, and then you get to write your own chapter. So I, I emphasize reading more than anything uh, with the students in the classroom because it is significant and it does help you to be able to process what's happening in the real world in a safe space. 
yeah. you know, with words. It allows you to explore things that you can't otherwise explore openly sometimes. Right. Um, whether that's your home environment, your school environment, your church, or whatever the case may be. So I like, I love books because they're an escape, but they also help you to be able to process and communicate in real life. Why, why is the future of black youth your business? Because um, it's in the Bible. Well, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yes, but it's not. It's not my business, though. It Break isn't. It down. It's my purpose. I like it. Tell uh-huh. us more. You know, when you when you walk different paths. So I feel like I've had. I, I tell people all the time, I've had nine lives, right? So I've right. experienced a lot in a, in what now feels like a short period of time. Right. So when you're going through it, it feels really long, and then when you're about to be forty, you're like. Okay, well, that seemed really short. Yeah. So, but what mm-hmm. I've realized in the last two and a half years um, working with this organization and really working with young people is I understand now why I went through all the things that I went through at the ages that I was when I went through those things because it was intended for me to be able to share experiences with young people um, to where they can understand that they're not alone and that what they see and experience, while it may be digitized, is it's not new, right? And that is in the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun. It's in Matthew. Um, and so when you realize your true purpose, because I thought I knew what it was, but now being with these young people, I really, I'm fortified in understanding that young people are not my business. They're my purpose which means that everything about them, just like I, I'll read four different versions of the Bible side by side, I right. put these young people next to each other and I, and I juxtapose their situations, their experiences, right. their highs, their mm-hmm. lows, their strengths, their weaknesses, to look at how we can calibrate these experiences to create um, some form of a template so that young people don't feel so alienate, alienated and isolated while right. they're growing and changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think that we've done a disservice in just surviving, which, again, I don't blame all of the people who came before us because they had to do that. Imagine, right. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like getting through the day, being alive was like, oh, we won the day, son. You know, whereas now we have a little bit of room to breathe. And a lot of people will contest that given the rise in police brutality um, and other, you know, things that mass incarceration, the crack epidemic, like there are obviously there are still hurdles yeah, right, right. to our return. existence, but we, there's a little bit of distance between surviving and thriving. Yeah, and so while we're in that period, it is our duty to ensure that we equip our kids, our young people with some tools and not just be like, don't do that. Just going to take you out, you know, and really explain because these young people aren't trying to hear that anymore. Like our generation our parents were like, no. And we were like, w-? and you couldn't even get the WH out your mouth before you were like <laughs> on the ground. You're like, oh, that was my mouth over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I shouldn't ask no questions, you know? Whereas now these young people are empowered with so much information, even if you said, because I said so. I'm like, well, well, technically Google says here that you shouldn't say that, you know? So it's a completely different age and era. And I think that we do ourselves a disservice as a community to not expound upon our experiences and really look forensically at why we did some of the things that we did and why we can't allow the, those behaviors or those thought processes to matriculate to our children. Right. We can't afford to do that anymore. And, and, and they deserve to live a life that is not a survival-based existence. Yeah. They deserve to thrive. Yeah. I just think it, it behooves us to look at how we made decisions based on what we had to do. And then... 
what we said to ourselves, and I've said this, um, was, well, we had to struggle. Like, I had one pair of name brand tennis shoes for a really long time in my adolescence. Right. So when I had children, you know, like, the the ultimate high was like, yo, y'all have, like, oh, five pair of tennis shoes because you live it. You know, and we didn't even think about the impact that that would have on their um, survival skills, yeah. right? Common sense, um, hard work, and ethics. So, you know, there again, we have to calibrate the the things that we're willing to give our children because we came from places of lack materialistically where we should be shifting what we're pouring into them more about what we weren't allowed to talk about Mm -hmm. or the things we weren't allowed to say or the opinions we weren't allowed to express as children that should be what we're imparting in in bulk and abundance to our children instead of the material things so, you know, it takes a high level of consciousness to really understand why we do some of the things that we do and then understanding the impact that it has on our children's ability to navigate in a world that still doesn't really necessarily like us a whole lot. Right. But yeah. because they have so many things and they look equal to their peers, right. it gives you a false sense of confidence in your blackness instead of a fortified existence yeah. in understanding what came before you that allowed you to do that. We don't, we don't give that speech, though. So I have to stop you. You are an, an, an amazing educator. You think so? Amazing. It's pretty cool. Huh? Amazing. I just... Like, if you just ride the beat of, as you talk, it's, it's amazing. Like, I see why I gravitate to, to that energy. It is amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just... I spend a lot of time analyzing and overanalyzing mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. But you come um, to very logical conclusions. But it finally as it has to a purpose. Like I was always the person that had all the unnecessary facts. Like people would be like, "Yo, Jeopardy information, yeah. right? Like you know how a rainbow really forms, right?" And then people are like, "No one no. cares. It's just pretty to look at." You know, I think it's your ability to communicate your thoughts. Correct is really really powerful. Thank you. And that that comes through pretty pretty easily. And it's a lot of thoughts. So yeah, to be able to almost to, too much, right? To, I have to, to condense it mm-hmm. to to relay it because we'll is, be here till tomorrow, impressive. like for real, laying it out. So I have another scribe here. I would like to. <laughs> yeah. No. So one, one thing I want to say is, <laughs> yeah. I I appreciate yeah. the fact that you spoke about both survival and then thriving, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And survival today is indeed different than it was yesterday, so to speak. Right. Facts. There isn't there. This this could be this could be a tough statement for some. But there isn't the immediacy around survival that we once had. Correct. There is still problems with survival. That's right. Without a doubt. But not to the extent. Right. 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 And sometimes it's to our detriment. Right. Exactly. Think about Sandra Bland. 100%. You don't even expect what's coming, so you don't prepare or defend against it. That's right. Or know to even be able to do that. We we are comfortable to a point, and it is working uh, contrary to what we need to be. Correct. But the the question I have on that is, what is it about this program mm-hmm. that helps our children to be able to better thrive? Hey, everyone. It's Justin Biggs here from the Biggs versus Biggs podcast. If you're a fan of sports podcasts, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Biggs versus Biggs, a show that covers upcoming fights, fight reviews, and interviews with some of boxing's brightest stars. And it's brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. Ooh, that one's... Okay. Um, Well, I think there are a few different things. Because in as much as we are light years ahead Mm -hmm. of being able to be black out loud... Right. 
we're still not allowed to be black out loud in certain spaces. True. Mm-hmm. So Fleming consistently says to these students, you know, we will be intrusive in in areas or rooms or spaces that are not inclusive. Right. Right. So we're allowed to be black out loud on the block, right? right. Like when we're among one another, it's okay. Well, when you step onto certain campuses or to certain corporate offices, we're code switching all every which way. Right, absolutely. Which means that um, we have not allowed ourselves to feel comfortable being ourselves because right. we need to get that check, right? right. You're not going to go to work and be like, yo, what's up, boss? You know what I mean? Because you're like, dude writes my check. So yeah. if I come in here like blackity black, 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 he's going to be like, you're fired. Right. And that's a reality. Like, that's real. It's a real concern. So do we have to turn it on and turn it off? Yes. So what this program is allowing our young people to do is a couple different things. Number one, at an early age, we encourage our students to find themselves. Know thyself. It's part of education. You can't learn about other cultures and experiences and environments without first knowing who you are. Right. Because then you get, you know, you can be confused. It creates chaos within your own mind Mm -hmm. and it doesn't inform your identity um, well enough for you to be able to step into certain rooms and be comfortable, comfortable. right in your own skin. Yep. So that's first. So part of our um, pillars includes culture because we want our young people to understand that even if your nails look crazy like this, that that doesn't give a person a right to assume that your intelligence is less than what it yeah. is because you like to express yourself in different ways. Um, and and it means that you can express yourself in that way as long as you have something to back it up with, right? So we don't do empty, you know, um, empty uh, expressions of self, right? Right. Because you could be, you know, black out loud, but if you're not moving the culture forward, then you're actually doing, you're doing it a disservice and it's detrimental for all the people who have to come after you. Correct. Because then you've allowed the trope or the stereotype to become the truth. Right. Because you didn't fortify your place or existence in that space right. with something more profound. Wherever you are, you are the representative. That's correct, of the right. and and that's always going to be the case. I don't know. I don't know a society like we're moving. I guess everyone wants to think we're moving toward this utopian um, type of environment, right? Like a global, you know, oh, community, no. <laughs> and that's great. Okay, but delusional. But but in reality, you know, there's always going to be some residual effects right. of a global disdain for yeah. black and brown. Absolutely. And so we have to be aware of that and we have to accept that for what it is and the responsibility that comes along with that. And a lot of people say we shouldn't have to bear the brunt of of a system that was created to oppress. You're right, you know, theoretically. Right. But realistically, we have to be, come on. Yeah. Like, it's, that's what's real. So this program allows young people to find themselves and fortify what they have to say to be able to articulate it appropriately so that no matter what space they're in, they're able to be authentically who they are. And so if you need to code switch to get that check, boo-boo, do it. it. Mm -hmm. We're not going to say don't do that. Do it. But just understand that That that's not the only box that you're in and there's a context for that. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, and, and then again, that's how you open doors and that's how you pave the way for other people to come behind you. Yeah. Somebody has to be the first. Somebody has to be the first 10, you yeah. know? And yeah. then once the barriers are broken and we are in positions of power, we're the check writers, we're the authority, we're the people that are doing the hiring and the firing, then you can kind of, you know, loosen up a little bit. Yeah. But until then, you, we have a responsibility. And part of that is to know who we are and how to articulate who we are in all spaces. Right. In all spaces. So that's what we work on. Right. 
I, I love it. I, so all the things that you're talking about, all this that we pour into the children in the program, how do you measure success? And what does success look like thus far? Because you're still relatively young, right? This is, you're in the third yeah, year now, correct? this is correct? the third cohort. A lot of the work that we do is experiential mm -hmm. um, in nature. So it's really, you have to try it on and get really, really good at switching it up, right? right? But the way that we measure success is really through a few, a couple different things. One is their ability to, to remain in the program because mm -hmm. it is extremely rigorous, right. right? So that's one step. And then the, the immediate second step from that is being able to matriculate at Harvard. It's a very different environment than most of our children have ever been in. Right. It's highly competitive. It's very nerve-wracking. The hours are long. So when they can successfully move through, and when I say successfully, we've won two years in a row. So the right. two years that we've been at this residency, we've taken you know, it by storm. And what that does is it changes the perception of all the people that we come into contact with whether it's on the way there, on the plane, in the airport, on the plane, because we, you know, we show up in all our regalia. You know what I mean? Like right. we're we're it's a we're a major presence. So just real quick, break that yeah. down for the people listening, because they may not know what that means when you show up the way you do. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Okay, so um, first we have a uniform. Uh, our students wear uh, oxfords. They wear ties and blazers and slacks, right? And and for obvious reasons. And socks. Yes, and the men have socks. We're working on it, girls. We're going to get us some socks at one point, okay? We're not going to just wear hosiery and flats, all right? We've been trying to work on that for a few years. But yes, our young men do wear coordinated socks. They match with their bow ties. And part of that is, um, you know, Fleming adopted that practice from when he um, had his own, when he started the very first, the, the predecessor to this program was when he started when he was an undergrad um, at Liberty University. And so, you know, it's just a way to set the tone when you walk in a room you know, it's automatic, you know, attention and respect because your dress is impeccable, right? So even when we go to the airport, and I won't give it all away because Isaiah hasn't had the experience yet and I don't want to ruin it for him. <laughs> but, um, but you know, everywhere we go, we're, we're in uniform. We're uniform, whether we're wearing hoodies or we're wearing blazers right. so that when we walk in a room, we command attention. Mm -hmm. And our young people are not used to you know, saying, hey, look at me. Yeah. We're used to kind of sliding in and trying to be in the background because we don't want to, you know, ruffle right. any feathers or, you know, be too loud or too, you know, like we don't... Draw too much attention Yeah, to we don't want to be right. obviously in a space. Well, no, we're debunking that. Like, we're right. doing it, okay? So this is what it is. So you're all, everyone's going to know who you are when you walk in the room. Right. Um, so, yeah, we show up that way. Um, but what's even more important than that? Because we're, we're who we are. So you might have us walk up on the Harvard campus. There might be a couple kids Millie rocking. There might be a couple doing a nanny, whatever. And, you know, it's interesting because the perception is, oh, look at them. Oh, we're going to smoke them in class. And then they get in the classroom and they realize you can't really touch us. Mm -hmm. So it's even more impactful for our young people to understand that misperceptions of who you are based on what you look like right. are, the, are the most fun to debunk, right? Mm -hmm. Because... There's no way for a person to know what resides in your mind just by looking at you or your skin color. And so that, it, for a lot of our students, it's a transformation. Oh, of course, can. of course. And a lot of our young people are intimidated right. by oh, that yeah. level of attention and then having to meet or, or reach those expectations, but we prepare them to do so. Right. So when they turn it on and they realize, you know what? 
This is the same work that we were doing when we were here. I understand what's happening. I am a master of this content. What am I afraid of? When you see that switch happen, because you can visually see it, right? it changes their lives. Yeah, It changes their lives. To understand how powerful you are <laughs> in the face of what people think is automatic defeat and you are victorious not only once but twice and the second time, you did it and you made history in the books. First 5-0 decision ever Completely at the residency. Hello? That is unheard of. It's unheard of. So again, it just, ooh, I hope my father didn't hear that. Again. <laughs> again. Are you okay? You, 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 know, you were feeling right? it for a minute. He, right. He's going to be, like, be like, wait a minute, you said Shawty on the air. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, but no, it's an empowering moment and it's unparalleled. And for a lot of our young people, it's the first time they've ever felt that level of power. And, and they understand that the power didn't come from like brawn or money. Yeah. It came from your brain, your Correct. beautiful mind. Yeah. So it's, we empower. Quick, I want you to, a couple of things. One, mm -hmm. talk about mm -hmm. the culmination, right? The, the event that you keep referring to. Mm -hmm. Tell the listeners a little bit about that. What is that? Okay. What so, are they kicking ass at? What are yeah. they five and O at? Well, let's get into it. So here's the thing. When you're talking about privilege and education, um, because educational inequity is a big, big deal. And we don't talk about it a whole lot. Because we're just used to, you know, this is the school that's in my neighborhood. That's where I'm going. And that's what it is. I'm going to get through it and graduate because my mama needs to put the thing on the mantle. And that's my job. And so I'm going to do that so she doesn't nag me to death and kick me out the house, right? Um, so when you're talking about educational opportunity outside of the typical classroom space, mm -hmm. a lot of our young people do not get to participate in what some of their peers of other shades get to participate in in the form of summer enrichment programming because it's right. expensive. A lot of times it's out of town. So you've got travel costs, you've got food costs, you've got the cost of the program itself. Um, and so again, a lot of our young people are not exposed to that level of supplementary work. And what it does for you is a, is a number of different things, particularly when it's in an Ivy environment. It allows you to create a network mm -hmm. from a very young age that can carry you through, you know, post-secondary education, right? And so... Uh, what we are doing is exposing these young people who have never done debate before to a pre-collegiate coursework that involves the humanities, right? So they're doing STEM and STEAM work at school, but very rarely, unless you go to a, a school that has some opportunities to provide some coursework, you know, an AP, IB, you know, that type of or honors um, programming, and you have to qualify, uh, typically via some standardized test to right. be in those classes, right? Which historically we have challenges with anyway. So if you don't get to take philosophy in high school, the first time you would ever see that is in college. And it can be very confusing if you haven't been exposed. And so what we're doing in this program is we're taking young people who have never done debate before and we start with the fundamentals of critical thinking and rhetoric. From there, we explore political science, we explore theology, not, not to indoctrinate, but to understand the sociology and psychology behind theology. Whole nother conversation. Right. Um, and then we sprinkle in formal debate training at the end. We don't even do that continuously throughout the whole program because that's right. not the, the formula for what we do. It's not just to teach them um, methods for winning debates. 
We're teaching them how to critically explore the world around them in real time, given their current set of experiences, their current environment. And then we teach formal debate. And then to top it off, we go to Harvard for two weeks in the summertime for um, a debate residency. So again, we're talking about supplemental summer programming mm-hmm. that is expensive that most of our children would not have access to if they didn't go through this program. Um, and so that is our, you know, that is our commitment to our students. If you do the work, if you matriculate fully through the program, we will make sure that you get your um, supplemental summer programming paid for. So we go up to Harvard for two weeks and they go through 10 and 12 hour days, sometimes sometimes 14 if they have cases to write, right? And cutting cars and all that. <laughs> Yay, fun stuff. Um, you know, and they have a collegiate experience on right. an elite, you know, an Ivy campus that some of them, you know, would never have seen or, and know is possible. Right. Right. So when you go there and you experience campus life, you know, it's a freedom that you don't get necessarily at home. Right. Um, and it's, a, it's again, a form of, of empowerment. Right. Where they're like, oh, well, I thought this was this. Because when you think about Ivy League, when you come from, you know, like even like for me, I, I would have been highly intimidated. Like, what? I right. can't do that. Right. So when you get there and you conquer it and you know that it's within your reach, then there are several other things that begin to be opened up for you because you did that. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And you come yep. back victorious. Do you see a shift? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Oh, I yes. Oh, absolutely. And it and it doesn't stop. See, so if they can stay on that, on that high of... I did that. Then it will take them through the end of their high school career and allow them to reach for post-secondary aspirations that they would not have had previous. Mm -hmm. And then that's when it really starts to turn on. And so now, because we're in our third year, we have our first group of students that are in college this year. So we have Mm -hmm. freshmen in college. um, And then we will matriculate almost half of our alumni into college next year. So we've got you already students. seen early acceptance, correct? Oh yes. Yeah. And so when you're talking about measuring impact, we look at students who would have never applied to certain schools, getting into those schools and then going to those campuses and making a difference. Um, not just for themselves, but for their families and for the right. communities of young people who are looking at them to say, okay, hold on, let me just make sure. Right. You know, can they really do it? And then they go and, you know, we've got students doing it now. I love it. Yeah. Love it. So that's that's what we do. And so, that's what's it's that's its purpose. So one one mm. one question that I have about that is, you know, our our children in school are taught oftentimes shut up, comply, conform. But the model that you all use to teach and inspire is quite different from that. Mm-hmm. How in, in such a short time do you get to reach these students and open them up? to behaving and performing in a different manner and then send them back to the public education school, the private schools. How do they balance that? Mm. Okay, that's a lot to unpack. Let's talk first about um, school. Right. Uh, What we see quite often is a one-dimensional educational experience. Right. Where teachers are doing all of the talking and yep. students are supposed to how long yeah. do you expect young people who are bursting with energy, creativity, um, innovation, ingenuity to sit there and yeah, listen to you? Listen. <laughs> yeah. Tell them what they should learn. Like the, you are never going to get the best out of anyone. Right. With that approach. 
but specifically not young people in this day and age by talking at them. Yeah. So I'll tell you this, our philosophy overall, um, and we say this from day one, is to love first and teach second. When young people understand that you are vested in them as individuals and as a collective, and you allow them the platform to share ideas and create in the classroom, then every, everything that you ask of them becomes their own. Right. So when we talk about ownership, it's just fair. when we talk about ownership and we talk about being vested in education, so, you know, you can look at it like this. There's a reason why young people like math and science so much. Because they're creating things on their own. Like they're taking formulas or, you know, a template and then they get to explore yeah, and, and figure solve. things out. Right. That's what young people like to do. If we let them. Right. Curiosity is a lot of how you motivate young people to, you know, push past their barriers and their comfort zones. And so, again, our environment, like I said, is heuristic. So it's an experience that we usher our students through. We don't give them an experience by telling them what it is. We allow them to walk through it on their own so that at the end of the day, what they end up owning is the idea. They end up owning their education. And that is the most critical piece. So when you talk about how do we send them back into those environments, well, you're empowered. There's that word again. Right, right. You're empowered. So now your education is up to you. So as as you all push yeah. these children, mm. these young kings and queens toward more autonomy and keeping them driven and inspired and, and showing them that they can, they can go learn on their own, mm -hmm. for all the parents listening, what do you think is the single most important thing that we can do to help them realize the power that they already have. Get out the way. I love that. Sit down. Here's the thing. And so I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna go there because I'm like, I know okay. people are like, ah, I'll be doing that. We need to stop saying that we're raising children. Right. Unless you want a 40-year-old living in your basement. I I do not. We are raising <laughs> adults. <laughs> we're raising yeah. adults. She went literal. Okay. Yeah. We're raising adults. And and on, just as a, an, an ad, um, please stop trying to live vicariously through your brilliant child. That's not your job. You had your shot, boo-boo. I mean, you could still, if you want to do it, like, hey, go back to school or find a new hobby or learn a new trade or whatever. I mean, if you don't know how to code, I mean, there's plenty of online, you know, they're on Instagram all day long with the ads. Learn to code for free in 12 weeks and get a better <laughs> job paying you $80,000. And you're like, oh my goodness. So if you need something to do, like, do that. Right. But just get out the way because this is not your journey. And I think that's the the biggest takeaway for me because, I mean, obviously I'm a parent, so I tried it the traditional, you know, do as right. I say, not as I do, you know, that kind of thing. And right. then I went to the whole, you know, well, if someone had told me this when I was your age, I wouldn't have made the same mistake. I did that. Right. And it doesn't resonate with these kids right. because they, they have too much access to too much information to take what we say at face value. Correct. So yeah. you may as well let them explore. And so, again, there's a book um, that's called, it's literally called Raising Adults. And so I'm going to give the author's name because I think some parents listening need to read it. And it's by um, Julie Lithcott-Hames, last name H-A-I-M-S. 
And it talks about... I think you're going to need to spell the middle name for them. Well, you know, you can just put in that because I'm pretty sure that's a rare... <laughs> that's a rare like, last name. You find somebody else with that last name, bro, you're doing a lot. I don't know. Oh, I mean... Because I, I need the too. other ones. Just type in Julie Haynes. You're going to find it. Uh, it's called Raising Adults. And it's really just a perspective shift right. where we allow ourselves to understand that, yes, they, they came from us and they were babies at one point that depended on us 100%. Right. At a certain point, though, yeah, they they unlatched, boo. And we're going to need you to unlatch, too. Because there's a codependency in in still looking at high school-aged children, right. young people, young adults as babies. Like, that's not real. Yeah. And if you do that to a young person, you handicap them. Yeah. So we have to start letting go. And I don't mean lack of discipline. Right. I mean the lack of the need. I mean, I mean letting go of the need to control. Yeah, right. And getting out the way. How does not their mean minds stop parenting. work and how they process things. <laughs> right, right. right. I'm sure someone's no, thinking right no, now, like, real. oh, I got to be in their life. Well, it, it doesn't mean stop. That's parenting. correct. Yeah. And so there's a way to to usher them through that the experience of growing up. Right. Without having to like do it with them. Like right. I, I done already been 16. I don't know about y'all. I'm not trying to do that again. Yeah. Like maybe you, you know physically. Because, you know, at 16, you're a completely different body. But Not I mean, other than though. that, yeah. you know, I don't want to go backwards, you know. So we, again, we just have to allow our, our young people to experience their version of youth right. in their way. Right. And move. Just move right. on out the way, boo. Can't you find a knitting, crochet? You know what I mean? You might not be able to play ball no more, but two case for everybody. All right, two questions. Two Ooh. questions left. Ooh. I know. This is like the longest episode ever, right? Y'all be like, we <laughs> always do this two questions thing. We're cutting all the first part. We're going to use that for another episode. <laughs> I really, I, I am going to stop it too. It's time. like 10 p.m. It'll be two questions. I don't know. So for parents who sleep do right not away. have access to a program such as this. Yes. How do they truly help? If they want to be more involved if they want to help make their children better, mm -hmm. if they want to create that excellence, mm -hmm. what are some things that they can do? Um, okay, so in, in a realistic sense, I think, uh, number one, get that book. You know, I've said it from the very beginning of this conversation, that reading, mm -hmm. you know, it's corny and it used to be like one of the commercials that used to come on, the more you know. Reading is fundamental. Like, there, like if that's drugs. not your parenting experience, then you might want to pick up a book that can help you kind of learn a different parenting experience. Right. So that's first. Secondly, uh, you need to get to know your children's teachers, yeah. like, intimately. Not like you at their house every Saturday, you know, yeah. or whatever. I'm not saying you need to be, a, you know, like, you're baking cakes at each other's houses or whatever. Right. But they need to see your face, and they need to know who you are because it's really important. Like, even in the in the program— we um we do home visits because we want to know where our kids come from. Right. Because when you understand who your students' parents are and their environment, then you understand how to better reach and teach them in the classroom. Right. But I think it's important to know your teachers and for the teachers to know that you want to know who they are because it does make um the teachers look at your child differently. I yes, mean, that's just facts. <laughs> you know, and obviously there are parents who cannot be in the school building during the day. Right. Well, that's when you have scheduled calls because educators understand that. Yeah. Um, where you, you know, may be able to do volunteer on your off day at the right. schoolhouse. I mean, whatever you have to do to get in that building and be seen, I think that's important. Not only is it important for the for the educators to see you and the administration, but your child needs to see you. Because young people in that way are very interesting. While they want to be independent and, and move and shake on their own. They still long to please their parents if their mm -hmm. parents, you know, if they feel the love, they want to make us happy and make us proud. So when we show up in the building and we're there to experience, you know, whether it's their highest high or their lowest low, 
it, it means something to be present. Um, and the only other thing I'll say um, about, uh, about parents is, um, and I've said, I said this in our orientation. I don't know if you remember this, Vince, when we talked about it at, at the orientation, particularly to my black mothers. Mm-hmm. We are told by society that we have to be everything for our children and when we're not, that we're not doing our job and we fall yeah. short. And that's a lie. Yeah. We are a communal people. We did not begin this thing uh, by ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. We were never those types of people. So our job, when we are building the environments that are conducive to positive results for our children, our our real job is to make sure that our village is as inclusive as possible because what that allows our children to have is access to different experiences, different expressions of that experience, and it allows them to have resources because right. we can't do it all. Right. If you work in three jobs, mama, you can't be everything for your children. I don't care how much you want to. Right. And you shouldn't kill yourself trying to do that. That is not what we're designed right. for. So plus you end up hurting them in the process. Ultimately. Too. Right. And you go and you're gonna be half dead too, because that's right. a lot of work. Right. I mean, we have to get back <laughs> to having a communal experience when it comes to raising these children. The adage, and yeah. you know, we we walk around talking about all the time, it take a village to raise a child. You know, we but then say you get the first that. One talking about if somebody look at my child. You crazy. I talk to my baby like that. You know, right. and you so it's like you can't Diane, have it bro. both ways. Yeah, you can't have it both right. You and then this nail is missing, so it's making it really difficult for me to do like this. So anyway, um, but we can't just say it and not mean it. Like we yeah. have to actually put that into motion. Don't say it because it sounds good. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes, it's a proverb, but can you put it in action yeah. right here in yeah. the ATL? Please try. All right. Last question. Mm-hmm. Life imitates art. Mm-hmm. And art can take many forms, right? It's literature, music, TV, film, poetry, on and on. So what art form and specifically what title mm-hmm. best describes how it feels to play such a pivotal role in the, the development of these young kings and queens? Oh, that's a tough one. And this question was specifically for you because I know how much you read. Well, okay, so here's the thing. And you're probably not even going to stay in the lane of books now, just because I... I... No, now I got got to go a different direction, just because I want to stone on you real quick. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) No, I'm I'm really serious, but I mean, you know, I'll try to to be humble and say I'm kidding. Um, So here's the thing. (laughs) This particular program, I think the reason why the the root and the foundation is in debate Mm -hmm. is because it is an art form. Like, at its core, it's an art form, right? So... The way that you could characterize it is debate versus rhetoric because debate is about annihilation. Like right. you want to dominate right. and like destroy your right. opponent. That's the goal. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas with rhetoric, you are required to employ different skills to in a in a sort of in a cunning way right. to get a result to persuade. Right. So if I had to sum it up I would say that debate is an art form. Right. And that that's why it is so effective in breaking certain barriers for our children because there's so there's so many things that our children perceive just based on the designation of blackness. Right. That requires them to be able to to be masterful in debate. But then understanding that outside of the arena. Right. So when the gladiator takes off the armor, you still have to be able to navigate different spaces. Um, and, and those spaces require those same skills just without the annihilate, 
without the annihilation. And so it does. Maybe it creates a annihilation. Maybe. Well, maybe a little sometimes because, you know, we like to stun on them a few times. But <laughs> but it does. Ultimately, it creates um, a young person who can do really anything. Right. When you can start from scratch. And I mean, like, that, you might even be like negative 12. Um, you yeah. know, broken, beaten, abused, tarnished, lost. Right. You know, handed a religion that you weren't naturally uh, inclined to. You know, given different garb, you know, and different types of foods. Like, we thrived in an environment that was created to destroy us. And so when you can take that, it's the same thing with words. When you can use words to create cases that then make arguments that win, because people understand what you want want them to understand, what you're conveying, it's beautiful. Yeah. That is art. I do want to say, I anticipated that one. I Here figured debate was going to be the Here art we go. form. Ah, I was good on that. There we one. go. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can it not be, right? All right. I mean, fundamentally, right. that's why we're here. Yeah, how, how can it not be? That's why we're here. Cool. Art, brother, you got anything, man? I think I've said what I needed to say. <laughs> I don't know. I really didn't expect to really go. I was going to stick to my script. I, was, I had nope. really I knew, like, we, knew, I we knew you out. worked, though. I told we you, you weren't going to be able I mean, to. Right you here. looked a couple of times. Yeah, yeah but, I had it because, you know, I was trying not to go down the tangent. <laughs> no, none of it was tangent. All of it was related, and it actually is very logical. It was logically placed. Right. Thank well, you, well, right. Kelly, Thank you. when we end mm-hmm. an episode, we always give the mic over to our guests to let you tell the people whatever it is that you want to tell them. But please... Include some contact information so they can go learn more about the Harvard Debate Council Diversity Project. Absolutely. Um, I think that what the work that we're doing right now has been a long time coming. It's the culmination of a lot of people's efforts to educate, empower, and enlighten um, us as individuals, as Kelly Britton and Brandon Fleming. But it's also a community that has um, embraced us and what and the work that we're doing without huge amounts of skepticism that's typical when you bring something new to us. Um, So we definitely appreciate everything um, and everyone who has been rocking with us from day one. Um, This work is so important because it's, it's a form of freedom. Right. And in order for us to fully live this experience, we have to know how to empower one another and how to build and how to reach back. You know, and so it's something that um, one of our advisors and mentors says all the time, Jay Bailey, who is the um, CEO of the H.J. Russell Foundation, um, you know, we we build as we climb. That's always been what we yeah. do. We have words for it. And so I, I definitely want to extend our appreciation to all of our supporters, whether you're an educator, um, a young person who has allowed us to um, move and shake you in this program, right? Because it's a lot. It's a lot, you know. And it's new um, to the parents who have entrusted us with their children. Because, like, that's a big deal. Like, when you allow your child to be influenced by people that you don't really know, know, um, that's that's huge. Um, and just understand that we know the the responsibility that we have in making sure that we don't damage our young people, but that we empower and build them so that they can go out into the world and give back in forms of service. Um, so that's really important. It's gratitude. And we talk to our young people about that all the time. So we're extremely thankful. Um, I don't know. I think, again, just pick up a book, y'all. Like, start somewhere. I don't care what you read. You could read the the um, Marvel comic Wakanda series if you want to. And it's actually pretty dope <laughs> while you're playing because Roxanne Gay is super dope. But anyway, um, 
how you can reach us. Okay. So if you uh, want to check us out on social media, we're on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we've got a LinkedIn page. It's at Harvard DCDP. So that's David Charles, David Paul. She pronounced the shit out there. Yeah, I did. I tried to enunciate. You know, I was in chorus. So you have to over. <laughs> um, and I was a thespian for two years. So anyway, um, you can do that. If you have questions and you want to reach out, definitely email us at info at harvarddcdp.org. Um, but yeah, just follow us, yo. Like, and if you, you know, have some extra change, you want to send some kids to Harvard, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> go to our website and click on donate. The doors um, of the church. I know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Pass the plate, bruh. We're ready for it. And we promise we will not buy a rolls or a plane. <laughs> or get no shade. from your space. No shade. What about a Jesus piece? Um, we're not going to do that until we start. We'll have to chain the kids first and then, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's when we sign them to our label, the HDCDP label. Um, (laughs) but yeah, that's it. I mean, we're here and we're here. Atlanta is our home. Um, we take great pride in that we are in the bedrock of civil rights and we're making changes that are going to, that are going to impact the world. So yes, check us out in the community workshops. Um, Please check out our website to stay uh, posted on on what those dates are. We'll have one in February and another in March. And then we will also open up nominations for our next class in March for all the educators um, to nominate students that they think would thrive in the program. And then in April, applications will open up to the public. And we encourage all young people to, to shoot their shot. You know what I mean? This is a life-changing experience, and we want to provide it for you. So come through. That's dope. Listeners, we'll share some of that information as we get it and as we can. Kelly, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is dope. Appreciate it so much. Thanks. Wild Black, we We out. Peace. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.